Happy Easter. When I hear sliced by the sea and all that, I start asking myself, am I a young adult? Do I qualify? That sounds like a lot of fun. I can come. Thank you, Michaela. Thank you. You know, when you think about Easter, there's all the good stuff that, we're, that we obviously think about that we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But, you know, we've got like these interesting cultural uh, things as well. Uh, like, for example, I was completely startled and caught off guard three weeks ago as I was walking down a road uh, near my neighborhood when I passed a window and saw this. <laughs> that has haunted me for three weeks. It has made it difficult to talk about Easter. Is th- and here, this was funny. Just leave it up there. I want, I want you guys to be in this with me. I want you to carry this burden. I didn't know if it was smiling or if it was threatening me. I didn't know if it was a rabbit boy or a boy rabbit. For some reason, that matters. And then the closer I looked, I was like, but it has silver hair and it has silver chest hair, which is very interesting. So that, that's like uh, only, in, uh, only in America, only in the South, do you see an interesting creature like that as we get close to Christmas. But one of the other things that I immediately, you can take it down now, it's frightening everyone, all right? One of, one of the other things that I think about uh, when we start talking about Easter, is this is just a go-to. Jocelyn knows that no matter what weird, crazy diet I am on, which I, I'm, I'm one of those people that just go on and off, right, that every Easter morning, if she doesn't mind, I would really appreciate one of these. Um, these are really, really good for my soul. They, help me, they just help me. Um, I feel God's presence when I eat them. Um, but I would like to give one away today. I have a special guest from out of town. His name is Jonas. He used to play on Hudson's soccer club team in Orlando. And when Hudson broke his tooth, he'll be here in the second service. Don't tell him you know that. Uh, Jonas's dad told us where to go to get his front permanent tooth replaced. So Jonas, come on up here, man. This is for you. There you go, buddy. Let's see a little soccer hustle. There we go. Good job. Let's give it up for Jonas. You know, depending on where you live in the world, what time you live in the world, what you're going through personally, what it's like for your country, what it's like for your health, what it's like for your family, there are two different ways to approach Easter. One is you can want it to be true. You can want the resurrection of Jesus to be true, okay? But the other thing, the other way that you can approach Easter is you can need it to be true, okay? Have you ever wanted something to be true? Let's, let's just talk about the difference for a minute. Like something that you may want to be true, like flying cars or um, a new movie to come out or the job that you've been working your entire life to get. You need that interview to go well and you need it to be true that you have the job. Or, um, you know, like a fourth, fifth Indiana Jones movie. Like that's something you want to be true if you're me. Okay. But then there's things like you need to be true. Like I kind of need there to be a cure for this. Um, I kind of need this relationship to be mended. I kind of, uh, need uh, uh, a child, we want a child, or I need my marriage to be helped. And we move from this place of 
I, I want this to be true to I need this to be true. And we approach, we can approach Easter from one of those two places. One Anglican friar said this, we live in the midst of a world that cannot contain Easter. It doesn't know what to make of the resurrection, so it parodies it with chocolate bunnies and Cadbury eggs. We can't really contain what's going on here. You know, you can say, man, this is exciting. I've gone to church for years and years. I've put a coat on, maybe a tie. Okay, you guys are looking good this morning. And I've said, he is risen. And depending on what church you came up in, like people may have approached each other on Sunday and said, he's risen. And you say, he's risen indeed. And like you have this little back and forth and it's just part of your ritual. It's part of who you are. It's good. You want it to be true. We want Jesus to have risen from the dead. But maybe, you know, on days like today, on Sundays like this Sunday, when we walk in here, like on the tail end, hopefully God willing, of this global pandemic and we're looking back over the course of the last 12 months and we're saying, you know, in many ways, because of what I've seen happen in my life and in the world and in the country and all the sickness and all the fallenness and all the brokenness and all the disunity, I kind of need Easter to be true this year. I don't just want it to be true. Like this year, I need new life. I need a, like a, a, a wind of fresh new life springing up in me, springing up in my family, springing up in my community, springing up in my neighborhood, in my church, in this country. Like I want to see a a new wave. We need a spring season to be birthed here. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 28, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we testified about God that that he's raised Christ from the dead. But if he did not raise him, if in fact, then in fact, we are not, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You're still in your sins, like you got nothing here. Then those also who have fallen asleep are not in in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through one man... The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in his turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, and when he hands over the kingdom of God, the kingdom to God the Father, after he has uh, destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for he has put everything under his feet. Now, when it says that everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ. When he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all in all. Wow, that's where it's headed. Maybe in years and months and times like this, I don't know your, I know some of you, but I don't know everyone here in the exact season that you're in. But there are seasons in our life where we begin to think about where is this headed? Where, where is God taking this world? How is it going to end? You know, those questions come to mind. 
Maybe at other times it's fine. I just want the resurrection to be true. But it's in those seasons that we need it to be true. And we begin to ask ourselves, did Jesus really rise? Is this real? And if so, what does it mean for me? Well, Paul was dealing with all sorts of stuff when he was writing to this. People were obviously wondering what was happening to their friends. And, you know, this was the early church. Things were getting started. And these guys were beginning to experience social persecution. And not long after this, they begin to experience very real persecution, like tangible, like martyrdom. And if you're experiencing martyrdom, do you want the resurrection to be true? Or do you need the resurrection to be true? You need it to be true. It's at the gut level. If I am going to lay my life down for this, then it absolutely has to be true. You know, when we think about end times or where this is all headed, some of you may have been taught that resurrection is all about just getting the heck out of here. But it's better than that. It's better than just the eject button and God takes us out of here and we're gone. We don't have to worry about this place anymore. Okay? It's, it's a recreating. It's a making this place new. When Jesus prayed, you know, if you've ever played in a football game, you've, played, you've prayed the Lord's Prayer, all right? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be their name. Your kingdom, get us out of here. Your will be done. Your kingdom, remove us from this world, never to be seen again. Your will be done. Your kingdom, come. Your kingdom, come. Jesus was praying the kingdom of God into this world. He said, John the Baptist said, repent. The kingdom of God is near. Like the kingdom is here. It's not just this disconnected, hey, one day God can make a difference in my life. It's no, the kingdom's breaking through here. He's making things new here. Jesus was the first fruits. Jesus was the first of many resurrections. But uh, you say, well, um, John Paul II said this. We're not, we're not really Catholic, but uh, we're not at all Catholic. But I want to read this quote because it's powerful. <laughs> Clarify that. Not really, not at all. All right. Do not abandon yourself to despair. We are an Easter people and hallelujah is our song. Okay. Do not abandon yourself to despair. We are an Easter people. That is our thing. Today is not just today. Today is like who we are. If we aren't living into the newness, if we aren't living into the fact that Jesus is making this place new, that he is recreating this world, it's not fully here, but it's going to happen, then we're not living into anything at all. Now, Good Friday, we talked about the cross. And the cross is our symbol Christianity, like this is the symbol that we've taken on. And you say, well, if the cross is our symbol, but we're supposed to, shouldn't our symbol, shouldn't we wear like an empty tomb around our neck? Like what, you know, what should be our symbol? Well, I think it's okay that the cross is our symbol because you have to understand that Jesus wasn't born into this world like us. He wasn't born into this world infected with sin like us. Jesus was born whole. He came into this world without sin, which means he could show us what it meant to live a cross-centered life, a life of self-sacrificial love, a life without selfishness, a life without pride, a life without prejudice, a life without all of the sins that we endure and all of the sins that can so easily flow out of us. The cross is our symbol because that's the kind of resurrected life we're supposed to live. But I don't know about you, I can strain really hard, try my hardest and I need help with that. Paul says in his second letter 
to the church in Corinth. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. That's comforting. Just, you ever just read a verse and stop? It is God who makes both us and you stand firm. God's doing this work. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. You hear about God the Father, you hear about Jesus, you hear about the Spirit. So this whole idea of resurrection, okay, it's already started. If you're a believer, if you have professed faith in Jesus Christ, if you have received the truth of the gospel, then this idea of resurrection has already started in you. You were dead and cut off from God. Okay, all of us were dead and cut off from him. That's how we came into this world with this sin infection that made it in, impossible to be reconnected with the one who created us and longs for us to be connected to him. So Jesus came and made that way. That's what we celebrated on Good Friday. He reconnected us. If you have to connect God and man, you need a God-man. So we had a God-man who was fully God and fully man that reconnected us and restored that relationship and sent his Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do? Well, it turns the light back on in us. Now we're now alive to him. There's this deposit of the resurrection. There is the life of God in us. And because we have the life of God in us, the Holy Spirit of God in us, we can now begin to live this cross-shaped life. We can begin to live out of self-sacrificial love. You can go, wow, this is crazy. I look back over the course of my life and God is grown me in patience. God has grown me in self-control. God has grown me in, uh, in, 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 into Christ-likeness. I've, been, I've become more like Jesus. How is that possible? The spirit of life is in you. That resurrected spirit has brought you to life so that you can live that way. But guys, we have to choose to live that way. We have to live into it. Okay? I'm excited about the final two-thirds of, or three-fourths or whatever of 2021. I'm excited about what we get to live into. We can live into um, the, the, the toxic, uh, you know, infighting, the toxic 2020 residue. Or we can say, you know what? I've been given a new life. I've been given a resurrected life. I've been given a resurrected spirit. And for the remainder of this year and moving forward, I'm going to choose to live into that. N.T. Wright said it this way. Made for spirituality, we wallow in introspection. Made for joy, we settle for pleasure. Made for justice, we clamor for vengeance. Made for relationship, we insist on our own way. Made for beauty, we're satisfied with sentiment. But new creation has already begun. Listen. The sun has begun to rise. Christians are called to leave behind in the tomb of Jesus Christ all that belongs to the brokenness and incompleteness of this present world. That, quite simply, is what it means to be Christian, to follow Jesus Christ into the new world, God's new world, which he has thrown open before us. I need Easter to be true. I want it to be true, but I need it to be true. For what my heart for this church, for my heart for you as an individual, whether you're a guest or you've been here since this church started, I need the resurrection power, the new life of God to be true so that we can live into that new creation moving forward into the remainder of this year. 
We need to live as an Easter people, guys. We feel the sting of death. But as Paul also wrote the church in Corinthians, he said, death, where is your sting? Now, what did he mean by that? He was probably imagining a scorpion, okay? And if a scorpion stings you, why is it so scary? Is it scary because of, of, of the, you know, the little stinger? A little bit, like, you know, ow. Some of you don't like shots. That just opened up a can. Some of you don't like shots, all right? But why is, it, why is it really scary? Because of the venom. So when Paul says, death, where is your sting? He's like, no, we'll feel it. As we walk through this world, we feel the things that we feel, but we know that the venom has been removed from the stinger, which means the permanence that this world once felt from death has been undone. Okay? So do not live in the permanence of what you walked into this room with this morning Because Jesus has resurrection power. If a man went into a tomb and walked out of there under the power of God, anything is possible. Any kind of restoration, any kind of healing, emotional, physical, spiritual, relational, vocational, any kind of healing is possible. Because God can breathe that new resurrection life into any and every area of your life. Are you excited about that? Let's stand. I'm going to pray. God, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you that we have a reminder that we have this day to focus all of our mind and energy and efforts on the fact that, Jesus, you make things new. You don't make things tolerable. You don't make things better. You don't make things adaptable. You don't make things um, uh, uh, more easily digestible. You make things new. You bring renewal, you bring restoration, you bring resurrection. And I pray right now for everyone in this space, whatever kind of resurrection they need, not they want, but whatever the resurrection is that they need in their life today, that you will grant that to them as they desperately ask and seek for your power. In your name we pray all of these things. The name of Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God.